Hello and welcome to the Hot Seat. I'm Martin Rogers. Uh, with me are Dr. Nikitas Konstantinidis, Dr. Daphne Halikoplou. We're here to discuss the most recent Greek elections. So, Daphne, what's changed since the last election in May? Right, so um, the June 17th election confirmed many of the trends that we saw uh, during um, the May election. For example, New Democracy, the um, centre-right party, came first, although it increased its uh, support for about 10%, so in in June it got uh, almost 27%. We also witnessed uh, the continuation of this trend of the fragmentation of the party system, with PASOK losing even more. Uh, PASOK used to be the second uh, largest party and often often the first in Greece's uh, two-party system. But uh, now it came uh, third after Syriza, which also increased its vote um, uh, support for about 10, 10%, um, getting, I think, uh, 12% and 33 seats in Parliament. OK, so there's now uh, an established government in Greece. But what are the wider implications for the party system in Greece? Um, for one thing, you know, we have a new government, right? So I think that's uh, the important thing then, that, that one of the um, more interesting outcomes of the second round of elections. And some people may wonder, uh, why didn't we get a government the first time around, right? And uh, I think the, uh, the, the government that actually formed was the one that was sort of the, had the highest uh, chances of... Um, of uh, reaching an agreement, but uh, that just didn't work out in the first time. And uh, I guess the, the, the simple answer would be that the stakes were much higher um, uh, in, the, uh, in the second time. So the, the, the threat of basically disorder to default, um, the continued uh, ungovernability of the country basically made it, sort of expanded the range of uh, potential uh, coalition outcomes. Uh, and uh, everyone is kind of wondering about the sort of uh, the stance of the democratic left, which was which is uh, one of the smaller um, left-wing parties, but the more moderate kind of representative of the anti-bailout forces. Um, and they uh, actually decided that their sort of uh, the, the interests of their voters would be better served if they actually um, entered into a coalition agreement with. Uh, the uh, New Democracy, the, the, the First Party, and uh, the Socialist PASOK. Uh, and it's actually, um, it's quite surprising how fast they reached a certain um, kind of policy convergence in terms of um, an explicit sort of um, coalition pact um, of uh, different sort of um, policies and um, different sort of um, positions with respect to the upcoming um, renegotiation of the bail agreement uh, at the EU summit. I would add to Nikitas that I don't think we should overestimate the prospect for stability and I don't think we should overestimate the fact that, yes, we do have a government. A, let's not forget that Syriza came very, very close. They got only 3% less than New Democracy. B, New Democracy still couldn't form a government by itself, so the strong majoritarian results of the past did not... um, did, did not occur during either the May 6th or the June 17th elections. Um, we also need to, to, to see that, that if we add up all the anti-bailout forces, they are quite strong and possibly stronger than the, than the um, pro-bailout. So, yes, I would say this is a pro-Eurovote more than anything else. It was a vote um, 
on behalf of the Greek people saying we still want to give the euro a chance, but this doesn't mean that there is no popular discontent, it doesn't mean that there is such a strong prospect for stability because the results uh, are still, you know, still to be seen and of course the stability of the government will be tested um, when now this government needs to pass all these very severe austerity measures that the mm. people are uh, so against and have been so against in the first place. Let me add to this. Uh, first of all, I think a very interesting sort of um, piece of evidence, sort of in favor of this sort of you know, pro-European vote, is the fact that the support for the anti-Europe uh, Communist Party was actually cut in half. Yes. Um, so uh, you know, most of their um, sort of radical partisan uh, base actually moved towards uh, uh, moved to Syriza, which is the um, radical left-wing coalition. Um, and another thing, I think uh, the election outcome was clear evidence of the fact that the people are in favor of more a more collaborative approach to government, right? They want the introduction of more checks and balances between parties. I think people are over the idea of uh, single-party government and of this sort of uh, constant uh, alternation of um, sort of uh, strong uh, single-party governments. And uh, yeah, I think that's probably one of the more kind of sanguine sort of developments uh, in uh, in the Greek political system. Um, but of course, this raises this this whole issue of. Uh electoral system change that has been, um, you know, that they're trying to put through. But again, I don't know if that is a recipe for stability because we do need to, if we see Greece's past experience, it consists of uh, parties that are not familiar with communicating and with cooperating with each other. So mm. these consensus politics may work elsewhere in continental Europe where there's a history of cooperation and consensus, but I'm not sure that um, you know, the Greek system, which has been tainted by a civil war and generally confrontational politics, much like um, Britain in a way, can actually reach uh, stability rather than constant governments that keep, keep collapsing. Well, the thing is that abnormal circumstances usually call for you know, more radical solutions, right? And for some, they, they also kind of call for a deeper sort of... Um, uh, form of transformation of the political system. Um, I mean, what you said before, right, uh, whether these uh, parties can actually work together, you should also take account of the fact that uh, the actual sort of uh, nature of these parties is, uh, is changing, right? Um, the, their their uh, partisan base has been uh, sapped to a great extent, right? And I don't know if we, uh, you know, kind of taking looking at it, looking at it from a more, from a uh, broader kind of party system kind of perspective, um, I would argue that you know that we really not we didn't witness any evidence of a new party system, two party system emerging, right? Uh, simply because the vote towards both actually parties was uh, very strategic in nature, yeah. you know, and also half-hearted, right? I mean. Most people were actually not really uh, happy to vote for one of these two parties, but they did so uh, preemptively in order to sort of you know, preempt the other uh, kind of poll, right, uh, from uh, taking on power. Um, and, and to that, I think one thing that I would add to the issue of continuity is um, if you actually look at the the, the ballot papers of these of these parties, we may have you know different smaller parties entering the political scene, but many of the people previous MPs, people who have been members of the big parties and now members of the smaller parties. On the one hand, you've got a fragmentation of the party system, but on the other, you have a recycling of, of politicians moving from one party to another and remaining representatives in Parliament, but for a different party. So that actually represents more continuity than change in that way. I think that's a good place to start talking about blame then. Um, who do the Greek people blame? Are there... Um 
different groups? Can it, is it possible to say that the Greek people blame one particular group or people for, for what's going on at the moment? I think for me, um, I would say that what is interesting is that the whole electoral campaign was fought along nationalist lines. So in, in my opinion, there is a lot of blame shifting towards external powers. There's a lot of talk of imperialism and a lot of talk of external domination and a lot of parallels with, you know, the Second World War and, you know, we, were, you know, we fought in the past and we will fight again. Um, this, a, a very interesting, for example, example of this is just before the first election uh, on, on May 6th, a Greek pensioner... Uh, walked into the centre of uh, Syntagma Square in, in Athens Central Square and committed suicide, shot himself um, in the Central Square. And then they, um, you know, they had a, a little memorial for him after that. And it was interesting to see the, the memorial consisted of, of um, posters that basically had a, a picture of Angela Merkel dressed in a Nazi uniform, like a, a Hitler um, outfit, and the caption underneath was, Resist the Fourth Reich. And I mean, this is an isolated example, but it tells you a lot about how the, the whole rhetoric um, of Greek nationalism in, in this respect is sort of very anti-dominating external powers. And interestingly, this doesn't translate in an anti-EU sentiment. Mm. This is specifically an anti-German sentiment. So we still want to be part of the EU, this is a paradox, but we don't want to be dominated by the Germans who dominate the EU mm. and are you know, mm. the enemy, essentially. Uh, kind of my take on your question is that first of all, there's, there's plenty of blame to go around, right? Clearly, um, I think this um, kind of witch hunting that actually took place, <laughs> of course, was either uh, addressed to foreigners or to kind of um, domestic kind of uh, elites, right? Um, so this very much has to do with you know the debate that took place about the kind of the root causes of this crisis, right? So one kind of side of the debate argues that the root causes are deeply, they're endemic in the, in the sense that basically Greece came to this point just simply because of its own sort of mis- mismanagement of the economy, uh, because of um, deep-seated corruption uh, and, and various other reasons, right? And this was advocated more so by the kind of liberal pro-reform kind of um, uh, side of the political spectrum. The more left-wing, uh, more sort of anti-bailout kind of um, um, forces uh, put forward more so uh, of this this um, idea of kind of systemic um, kind of uh, problems in the system. The fact that uh, they basically attributed you know the the, the 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 crisis to a large extent to the flawed design, for example, of the EMU. So things had to change in Europe first before uh, kind of growth and prosperity actually um, uh, step back in. Um, so in that sense, you know, bl- this, you know, blame goes like both to uh, sort of uh, uh, external forces but also to sort of domestic right. uh, groups and elites. Right? I would add to that, um, interestingly in my research, what I found in looking at um, you know, party manifestos uh, and other party materials, that even when the blame is internal, the internal elites are described as collaborators of those external powers. So it's not only a problem of the Greek system, but it's the problem of the Greek system is the fact that it, it consists of those corrupt elites that were willing to collaborate with those imperialist powers. And it's an interesting rhetoric that I found um, takes place in both right-wing but also left-wing parties. 
for example, very much so Syriza um, and Kappa Kappa Epsilon. So what does this um, blame of imperialist powers, um, how does that feed into the rise of, for example, the Golden Dawn and the anti-establishment feeling within Greece and Greek politics? I mean, as I mentioned earlier, I think one of the trends of the of, of, of this election, of both these elections, is the rise of anti-establishment politics and, in fact, violent politics and the legitimization of violence to an extent. If you look at the results, it's interesting to see that the Golden Dawn is the only right-wing party that didn't lose votes to new democracy. So whereas other right-wing parties, sort of um, Anexartity Hellenist, the independent Greeks, or even the small liberal parties, uh, Stefanos Manos, Strassi, and other parties, they all lost a bit so that uh, people could rally around new democracy for the, you know, the pro-EU vote. The Golden Dawn received 6.92% on June 17th, uh, compared to the 6.97% they had received on, uh, on May 6th. That is a very tiny change. They got three seats fewer, so now they have 18, but that's also largely due to the electoral system. And um, it's very interesting, this fact that it didn't lose support. So when we look at that, I think we should definitely look at all these theories, of course, that expect, you know, during economic crisis, the rise of the the far right, the rise of violence, the rise of anti-immigration ideas, uh, etc. But I think what is missing from analysis and is also interesting is this populist element of the Golden Dawn. So it's, it's not so much only that it would attract votes because it is a nationalist party um, wanting to, of course, target immigration and, violent, and, 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 and you know, pursue it through violent means, but it's also the fact that it's, it's presenting itself as this um, anti-bailout, anti-corruption party that is here to represent the Greeks um, at, at a period when everyone else is corrupt. It is essentially a vote against the rotting Greek system, if you like. And um, I was uh, looking at the front page of their newspaper right after the election, and the caption was, the nationalists in parliament, the thieves in prison. So that is interesting to, 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 to give you an idea of sort of the populist element of the Golden Dawn. But still, I think analysts were surprised uh, with the result because initial estimates were, were, were saying that, you know, this is a vote... Uh, of protest, this is a, a shock event, uh, they've been misrepresented in the media, they were hidden in the media, there was no representation you know, for them, but now that people really know what they stand for, if there was even an event where a member of, of the Golden Dawn and member of the parliament um, perpetrated a violent um, act against... Oh, the, yeah, exactly, slapped someone live on, on Greek television. And after that, you know, estimates were, no, 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 they're not going to get... Um, they're not going to get the same result, but they got almost the same result, which is it's um, disturbing, if anything else. So what are the prospects for the new government going forward, and how will, what are the prospects for Greece within the EU going forward? Well, I think, again, this goes back to the same question, right? Well, what are the root causes of this crisis? Are they just deeply systemic or endemic or just a combination of both? Um, I mean, there are some good things going on for this government. Uh, for one thing, it has a fresh right, and a strong pro-Europe uh, mandate. Um, it's relatively compact in size, right? Um, it has some... It, can, it draws on some you know, pretty significant uh, technocratic expertise, um, some of the people have um, managed to build a, you know, a pretty good reputation with their um, European counterparts. But then again, uh, viewed from a sort of uh, from a broader perspective, um, the question is: Is there anything that they can actually do? 
right? For one thing, now they have an even stronger sort of uh, revitalized um, sort of main opposition party uh, that is going to be sort of um, you know, fighting them both with parliamentary means but also um, kind of on the streets, right? I mean, Syriza, the, the, the main opposition party at this point, uh, very much built its its uh, sort of support through kind of grassroots politics yeah. and um, and um, through sort of um, grassroots activism, right? Um, and the other question is, um, and something that I wanted to mention before, right? So, what was actually what was surprising about these new elections was the very high rate of abstention, right? So we have, it actually increased from uh, May to June from, I think, 33 to 37%, which, given what was at stake, is very surprising, right? Um, I, wanted, I argue that a lot of people, I mean, you know, notwithstanding some sort of you know, cost-benefit sort of uh, accounts of the decision to vote, I think a lot of people felt they had no real choice, right? A lot of people felt effectively disenfranchised from the system. And that speaks to some, uh, I think, to this idea of the, 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 the basically the incompatibility between national democracy and political and economic integration. So the national democratic system uh, is getting gradually eroded. Uh, people are getting, starting to realize that Greece itself and the Greek government cannot single-handedly sort of tackle most of these uh, sort of burning issues, right? Unemployment, uh, fiscal consolidation, immigration, and so on. Um, and hence, they felt that whoever got actually got to power, he wouldn't really manage to change things. Absolutely. I would yeah. absolutely agree with that. And I would say that I think one of the main lessons of this election is that it tells a lot about the Greek democratic system or the failure of the Greek democratic system. Although on the one hand, there were so m- many more parties running, so, many more, so much more choice, but in reality, no choice at all. Mm. Okay, great. Thank you very much. Dr. Daphne Helicopter, Dr. Nikitas Konstantinidis, you're off the hot seat. Thank you very much.